0: Three one three eight one four five six seven, Or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 12, 2011. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. And we'll thank you in advance for your participation via email, questions at collegeview.com. Or the telephone, which is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Or you can join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back after a week of absence. Dad, welcome back to the program.
2: Great to be with you, Jacob. We always look forward to Thursday night when we to get together on the Internet to do a little virtual Bible study. That's right. It is the virtual Bible study, a listener interactive
1: program in which we benefit from your participation your comments as we look to God's word for His instructions in our lives, and we have a timely, yet unfortunate discussion planned for tonight.
2: But I would also add the word necessary. We have a it's a necessary topic to cover. Jacob, and in, when I was researching our archives, I think I detected that we probably have neglected this, uh, not intentionally, but we want to talk tonight about the horrible subject of divorce yeah. and. And we want to deal with some of the false doctrines that are being taught relative to marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, I, I admit right up front we're not going to be able to cover everything that someone might be able to imagine to ask. I've, and, spent, I, wait, I've been in a class that spent months talking uh, about it. Yeah, so we, we won't be able to cover everything, but I think we can hit some high points that are important. So that's our that's our discussion for tonight. We want to... We want to try to deal with divorce and some of the false doctrines that are being taught. All right. The classroom's filling up. If you're just joining us, we look forward to your participation.
1: 877 381 4567, questions at com. And if you're watching us uh, live tonight, join in the chat room. Sign in there using the buttons at the bottom of the chat window. No personal information is required, and you can comment with listeners all over the world tonight. I see Eric in the chat room. Paul is in Indiana. Eric's in uh, Fayetteville, Tennessee. Anthony's in Columbia, Tennessee. I see Derek, Dave, and uh, we've got Daniel in the chat room, and Daniel's behind the controls tonight. I uh, appreciate him being here to uh, help us get on the air, and we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight as we talk about divorce and remarriage. And this topic, it's always been timely. Even in the first century, Christ had to touch on the subject. Uh, in recent history, perhaps it's more uh, necessary today than it was a few years ago.
2: Well, uh, at least in our lifetimes, I think divorce is far more prevalent than it's ever been in our in our time. Now I'm not saying in in the history of time necessarily, but quite possibly so. But certainly in our lifetimes, divorce is way more prevalent uh, than it's ever been. There was a statistic in the Nashville, Tennessee, and this week that indicated that married couples are now in the minority. That's yeah. the minority living arrangement in Tennessee now. Less than half of households are constituted of a married man and woman. It's amazing. And and even that probably, even among those, I think it was 48% of households in Tennessee are are made up of a married man and woman. But you have to believe that probably a fairly significant percentage of those people are divorced and remarried.
1: Yeah, the the, the number of people who have a right to be married in Nashville probably is such a small fraction uh, that it would blow your mind.
2: Yeah. We sent out some questions to our update list earlier today. We always remind you, you can get on that list by sending us an email to questions at com and just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. Um, somebody sent me an email, Jacob, that said they can't find us. They can't find our messages. They don't have a spam what? folder. Oh. Uh, and I, I really don't know what to say about that. I think that some people are getting diverted uh, by, by the fact that we send out frequent messages with similar titles. We probably get... Uh, diverted to spam, by fil- spam filters. But I think if you check, you can find us. There's one more one way to solve that problem, though, because you tweet. You know, and I forgot to tweet today. Oh, you did. I didn't do any tweeting. But oh. you can follow us on Twitter, and we'll try to get you uh, info by way of a tweet on okay. Thursdays. Um, here are the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, how would you answer those? And we're going to try to deal with these false doctrines. How would you answer those who teach that there's no divorce and remarriage For any reason. In other words, you can never divorce and remarry. It's It's never allowed. There are people who take that view. If you were to talk with them, how would you deal with that position? Number two, how would you answer those who teach that the sin of adultery is washed away at baptism and the unscriptural marriage is sanctified? Number three, how would you answer those who say that divorces and remarriages that happen before a person becomes a Christian are of no consequence because non-Christians are not subject to the law of Christ in this matter? Uh, number four, how would you answer those who say that a divorce for fornication releases both spouses to remarry without sin? And number five, how would you answer those who use 1 Corinthians 7.15 to teach that in cases of desertion, a person may remarry without sin? Okay. So those are our questions. I think, Dan, you had them popped up on the screen there where people could see them visually. If you've not responded, we have a few responses by email. We're still looking for more email responses. We're especially looking for your participation in the chat room uh, as we get into this subject of divorce and remarriage. That's right. If you're just joining us in, the classroom
1: is filling up here. We've got some people who are tardy. I hope you have a doctor's note tonight. Uh, we're talking about divorce and remarriage. And we look forward to hearing from you. And if you're not signed in in the chat room, please take a minute to sign in and uh, join in the commenting there. Well, the instructions about uh, divorce are predicated on some instructions about marriage.
2: There's some there's some important uh, basics of marriage uh, that really, we don't have time to cover it all, but I mean, we could go way back into Genesis uh, when God created man and woman and instituted the marriage relationship. Uh, that we, we could go way back there and talk. But when we're talking about divorce and remarriage, Jacob, uh, there are several key passages that we have to keep in mind. Matthew 5.32, Matthew 19, verses 3 through 12, Mark 10, verses 2 through 12, and Luke 16. So again... Now those,
1: that's interesting. All those are in the Gospels. So that must be Jesus' law. All language. instructions
2: from Jesus in Matthew 5, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 16. And we're going we're to concentrate on Matthew 19, but we'll, we'll no doubt get to those other passages as well. Um, let's read that and let's just see how the application that is easily made to everybody who might be involved in a situation where there's a divorce and remarriage. Matthew 19:9 9 says... Jesus is speaking. He says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Okay. So if we wanted to boil that down and talk about Jesus' law, for instance, for the husband. Here's a man who's married. What's, what's Jesus' law for this husband? He's, he's married for life. If he puts away his wife, except for fornication... If he puts away his wife and marries another, let, let's leave the exception out for a minute. For the husband, if he puts away his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. Right. For the wife, uh, Mark ten twelve says the same thing. If a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. So the basic rule is if I'm a married person, if I'm married, rightfully married to an individual, if I put that person away or divorce them and marry somebody else, it's adultery. Yep. That's the basic law of God right. on marriage and divorce. Okay, and in fact, that third party. In other words, if I divorced my wife and married another woman, that other woman, uh, Luke sixteen thirteen says, "Whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery." So that you get the third person gets involved. And there's in no, it.
1: yeah, that's just a that's a blanket rule. So there.
2: if if I divorce my wife, I sin. If someone else marries my wife that I've divorced. They sin too. And so the basic law is you should not be doing this.
1: doesn't sound very complicated.
2: It's it's pretty straightforward. And, of course, the very, very sad fact, Jacob, is that the the, the vast majority of the, of the world today knows nothing of those rules. No. They've just been absolutely, completely ignored. Just yesterday I was speaking to someone. Uh, a, a relative of this person, and they say, well, he, he cheated on his first wife and divorced her, but he's married now, He he got saved. And so, obviously, there's some denomination that's taken that fella in without question as to his marital status, but that's what most, it's not just the world at large, but it's most religious denominations simply are completely ignoring the teaching of our Lord on the subject of divorce and remarriage. Religious people are ignorant of it. Oh, exactly I mean, right.
1: you can I mean, accept the, the you know the guy on the street who doesn't know anything about what the scriptures teach, but people who claim to be religious, yeah, uh, you know, even sitting in the pews every Sunday, don't know anything about it.
2: That's right, and and they would, and they'd be flabbergasted, I think, if if they would take the time to sit down and really learn how, how much the truth differs from what their opinions are on this subject. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address is questions
1: at collegeview.com. And the chat room is wide open tonight. And Paul has an interesting comment in the chat room. He says, here is something I think is important. Every person needs to study and find out what the truth is on the the different aspects of this topic and not wait until you or a family member is in a volatile situation and emotions influence your understanding. How often have you heard that that?
2: I believe Paul makes an excellent point that's much needed because usually... When you find somebody who's trying to argue with the plain, straight-up facts of the scripture, you, it, it it's almost universally true that either they or a family member or some close friend is involved in a situation, and they're trying to find some way to justify them in that situation. Yeah, it gets very cloudy at that at that time. Yeah. All right. All right. So we've 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 laid down the groundwork, Jacob. If I'm married and I divorce my wife and marry another, I commit adultery. Mm-hmm. If, if a woman is married, she divorces her husband and marries somebody else, she commits adultery. And that third party, in either one of those situations, that third party is also guilty of adultery. Now, that's a general rule. There is an exception, uh, and the exception, as stated in Matthew nineteen nine, is except it be for fornication. Uh, I, I think most people, I think certainly our listeners, understand the word fornication. We might define it simply as illicit sexual contact. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a person has unlawful or illicit sexual contact with another, um, uh, uh, that is fornication. Fornication is a broad term. It includes all kinds of sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a married partner is guilty of illicit sexual contact, you know, some newer versions are a little, I think, uh, inadequate in in, in translation because instead of using the word fornication there there's a number of newer English translations that use the word sexual immorality Mm -hmm. well there there are forms of sexual immorality that are not fornication Uh, I think for instance viewing pornography is sexual immorality Mm -hmm. but it's not fornication Mm -hmm. and so I think uh, 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 we should probably make the point to be a little bit careful with new translations here make sure you understand what is being said there sexual immorality i think leaves too many questions fornication properly defined is illicit or unlawful sexual contact okay. and so if a married person has illicit sexual contact with someone else then the innocent person can divorce that guilty fornicating mate for that reason that's the now, exception where do you get that that's the exception stated there in Matthew nineteen nine, when okay. he said, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another commits adultery. Well, what if it is for fornication? Well, if it is for fornication, then he can put away his wife and marry another. And it's not adultery. So the exception, it's a very specific one. But the exception allows that you could remarry after a divorce and not be guilty of sin if the cause for the action was adultery.
1: All right. We look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. And I don't know, maybe we've got a uh, maybe a backhanded compliment in the chat room tonight. I so, uh, guess 796 says this is the best topic in a while.
2: <laughs> okay, good.
1: Well, <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we have uh, piqued your interest, and we look forward to you staying on the line with us tonight. Uh, we do have a question. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into this or not. Uh, you see Jim S.'s question there. Uh, about Matthew 5.32. You want to do that now or you want to uh, hold that
2: off? Uh, Well, I guess we could go ahead and deal with it. Jim S. asked, If an unscripturally divorced woman does not remarry, how does divorcing her cause her to commit adultery in Matthew 5.32? Let's read Matthew 5.32. It says, uh, I say to you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. My understanding of matthew five thirty two there Jim is that he's saying you put your wife away and you don't have a right to put her away she's almost certainly going to remarry when she does she's going to commit adultery i right. think I think that's the teaching of it um, oh, I'm trying to think of some uh, another place where Paul said uh, j- just speaking of the very high likelihood that a person will remarry in first Timothy five. Verse 11, Paul said, The younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. It's talking uh, about a
1: temptation there, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it, I think he's just saying, uh, the, the way Paul constructed that passage in 1 Timothy 5 is the way that Jesus constructed his statement in Matthew chapter 5, just stating the very high likelihood or clear probability that this woman she should not have been divorced. Her wife, her husband, put her away without cause, and he put her in a predicament that will cause her to commit adultery when she seeks uh, to remarry.
1: All right, uh, Jim S says it doesn't say she's going to marry uh, remarry. It's not a guarantee, but it is a. He's placing a stumbling block or a temptation in front it, of his wife, and,
2: and and he would be the cause of it if she did, if she commit, did. commit adultery. All right. He'd
1: be at the root of it. Okay, uh, so good question, Jim. Thank you for for that, and uh, we look forward to more questions. As we go along, we need to get into those five questions that you ask in different scenarios. And you won't be, we, won't touch on, we won't touch on a fraction of the scenarios tonight, I don't think.
2: No, but I think we'll touch on five that really have been batted around a lot for, for a long time. All right. We look forward
1: to those. Uh, the first question when we get back from the break is, how would you answer those who teach that no divorce and remarriage is allowed for any reason? How do you you answer that question? Do you think that question or that, uh, that statement is valid that there is no divorce or remarriage for any reason? We're going to get into that on the other side of the break, and we look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call, send us an email, or join in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial.
2: To us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study
1: i'm trent haynes a member of the college View church of christ with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual bible study Every Thursday, shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it.
0: Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world, the virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys.
1: And we are broadcasting around the world tonight. You might send us an email or a message in the chat room. And let us know where you're listening tonight, especially if you are uh, listening to us outside of the United States. We know we do have several foreign listeners, and we'd like to hear from you. Let, let us know sometime uh, if you get a chance. Send us an email any time that you listen, uh, listen to us live, you listen to us in the podcasted version. Let us know where you are, and we'd like to hear from you. Uh, Dave is in Wisconsin tonight, and so uh, we are well represented in the United States at least tonight.
2: Yeah. Uh, there, there's some discussion going on in the chat room about adultery and about the proper definition of adultery, and I think it's important for us to understand that adultery. The biblical definition of adultery is different than the common usage of the term adultery. For instance, let's say that I'm a married man. Hmm. Hmm. I, see what I see where you're going here. I'm a married man, and 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 I go out and get a girlfriend, and I've, uh, I'm I'm really liking the girlfriend, so I divorce my wife, although she hadn't done anything wrong and i married my girlfriend and now i'm married to this former girlfriend and if you went out and asked most people is that guy committing adultery they would say no he's married to her yeah you know and so their idea of adultery is only when a married person has sexual relations with someone who's not his wife right and that uh, but if you're married yeah it's not adultery in the eyes of of the world but clearly that's not the way the word is used in the New Testament. Jesus said, if I divorce my wife and marry another, I commit adultery. So I am the, the I think what we have to do there is to understand the difference between being married and bound.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And biblic, the biblical definition of adultery is along the lines of if, if I'm married to one but bound by God to someone else, bound to one but married to a different one then that is adultery. And so the, we have to be careful about how that word is used because it's not used as people commonly use the word today. Now, your explanation really does sound a lot like Romans chapter 7 where uh,
1: that uh, that terminology is uh, presented. Uh, the first four verses, uh, they're uh, talking about really an analogy uh, describing how we cannot uh, accept Christ and still be bound under the Old Testament law. But in Romans chapter 7 there in the first few verses, Paul lays out the rule of how you just explained it there,
2: being bound to one person while being married to another is adultery in God's eyes. And of course, men can marry and and divorce. That's within the realm of uh, the power that men have to to act. But the binding and loosing is only done by God. And it's a question: in order to be properly married, we must be we must be married, but also bound by God to the same individual. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and, and if that's not the case, then it's adultery.
1: All right, 877-381-4567, email questions at collegeview.com. If you're just joining us on the program, we're talking about divorce and remarriage. It is a timely subject and a subject uh, that the Scriptures speak abundantly on and the Scriptures are very clear about. Do You ask the first question for us to consider tonight. How would you answer those who teach that no divorce and remarriage is allowed for any reason? Uh yeah, you know that's uh, that is uh, an idea that is not uh, totally unheard of. Some people say you cannot uh get a divorce uh for or I I guess more commonly is that uh, you can get a divorce but you can't remarry.
2: Yeah, uh, uh well I think both positions are taught by some. Yeah. That is that some people teach that you can't divorce. Some people teach that you can divorce as long as you don't remarry. Uh but the position, which I guess we should make the point here, Jacob, that divorce itself is a sin. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder, Matthew 19, verse 6, Jesus said. So, you know, the idea that you could divorce just so long as you don't remarry, that's a false view. We didn't address it in our questions tonight, but that's a false view. Divorce itself is a sin.
1: Dave asking in the chat room, does Jesus ever say one can divorce without sinning? I now, think, that's the question. Well, that's the question we have got before us here.
2: Well, I think that you can divorce without sinning if your mate is guilty of fornication if If the exception clause of matthew nineteen nine and matthew five thirty two is met, then you could divorce without sinning, otherwise, that exception means nothing yeah, we're going to get to that uh, here uh, basically, that's the question we're asking uh, How would you address those who say, no, you can't ever divorce, you can't ever divorce and remarriage is never allowed. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says Jesus did not teach such in Matthew 19. He said, except, which means that there is a condition which can be met where it is allowed. And Don in Antioch uh, concurs. He
1: says, I would refer to Matthew 19, verse 9, which teaches that a divorce is scriptural only in the case of fornication and that a divorced person's remarriage is scriptural only if that person is the innocent party
2: of a scriptural divorce. I That's right, Don. I think you're right on that. Now, we have a... uh, an email from Bill in New Brunfels, Texas, who disagrees. Now he takes the position, but he gives he doesn't give any explanation. He said, I would agree with the person who takes that view. No divorce and remarriage for any cause. I would agree. I would I would not try to answer them. I would say you must have been reading your Bibles real close and paid attention to what the words mean in Matthew nineteen nine. Mm. But that's all he says, and he doesn't go on to explain. It, so I can't I can't uh, can't really say what he has in mind there. But to me, the words in Matthew nineteen nine Especially the word "except" seems to indicate an exception. The general rule is no divorce and remarriage, but the word "except" in Matthew nineteen nine, I think, indicates there's an exception. What does it mean if it doesn't mean that? All so right. I, I, I just think you have to go to the language of Matthew nineteen nine. Matthew five thirty two also I think confirms that conclusion. He goes on in his emails in, in, in bold
1: uh, red letters says, "You, the Lord's church, church's ministers." And preachers, better do your homework and study this issue. Do not take the preconceived and taught beliefs that a marriage can be broken up because one of them commits adultery. In bigger letters, he says it is not so. Rather, this is the most serious error or problem in the church.
2: Uh, well, again, I just disagree, Bill. I, I, it, it seems clear to me from the statement. I, I, I don't know how you're going to explain Matthew 19:9. If you don't take what is your explanation of this exception clause? I say to you, whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and shall marry another commits adultery. Well, if you put that exception clause in there, it means if he puts away his wife for fornication, then and marries another, then it's not adultery. It's, uh, to me it's the only grammatical under, the understanding of the grammatical construction of that verse. It, it teaches an exception. It uses the word except and it teaches the exception to the general rule. All right, Bill, if you're listening tonight, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know why uh, you
1: believe that uh, divorce is not permitted with the uh, clause there uh, for fornication. We'd like to hear your thoughts, and maybe if you agree with Bill in the chat room tonight, we'd like to hear from you and understand your reasoning. Let us know your thoughts. From what we can see in the Scriptures, it's very clear there is one exception. There is one uh, permissible reason for divorce, according to Matthew 19, verse 9 and that is for the cause of fornication. Let us know your thoughts, Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. All
2: right. Uh, real quickly, let's go to our second question. And we're getting some chat in the chat room on a, on a yeah. side issue, I think, and I'm not really keeping up. Well, we're not ready. going to be
1: able to keep up and until we catch yeah. up and earn a break.
2: Yeah. Uh, the second question we asked was, how do you answer those who teach that the sin of adultery is washed away at baptism and the unscriptural marriage is sanctified? um now, Ooh, no, that's a good one. The, the idea of this is, um, you know, when we when we are baptized for the remission of sins, our sins are forgiven. So if I have in my past unscripturally divorced a wife and married someone else, Maybe you've done it more than once. Maybe I've done it multiple times because that's happening these days. There are right. multiple, yeah. you know, maybe somebody, Seven, come, eight, nine, 10. well, at least two or three, you know, oh, yeah. uh, we've had experience with people who've been married twice or three times. They didn't even know. And, and, and the, the sad reality is they didn't even know that they shouldn't be doing that, that there was anything wrong with doing that. Mm-hmm. Now they've gotten serious about making their life right with the Lord. Right. And they, they've. They come to this position that, well, that happened before I was baptized. And when I was baptized, my past sins were forgiven. How would we answer that? Uh, Jim answers this way. One must repent before they are baptized in order to obey the gospel. Repentance means to turn away from a sin. You cannot turn away from something if you remain in it. If one is in a homosexual relationship, can they just repent and remain with their partner? I think that's the perfect answer. The question is repentance. Jesus said, "I excuse me, not Jesus, Peter said in his sermon on Acts 2, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Not just be baptized for the remission of sins, but you've got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if I'm one guilty of Divorce and remarriage that was not authorized. In other words, I have committed adultery, as we've as we've seen it described in the scriptures. What do I got to do? I got to repent. Well, how do I repent? Well, I've got to get out of the relationship that is adultery. And I think the the great illustration that Jim uses there. What about homosexuals? We even got homosexuals these days who are not just in a relationship with an with another homosexual, but by the laws of man are even married. To uh, another homosexual, yeah. And what are they to do? They just they just go ahead and get baptized, and that makes everything okay. We got
1: married before I, I knew, knew anything about the yeah, that,
2: yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think Jim's yeah. answer is just right on the mark.
1: All right, uh, Don also says uh, if I would tell them that there is nothing in the Bible which gives us the ability to change a sin into a righteous act. If the specific act is identified as sin, then there are no rituals that can change that act into not being a sin. Even the sins for which we have been forgiven are still sins. Don says you can't keep going on sinning; it's not going to change. Well, now, well, what, if,
2: what if my particular sin was that of uh, I'm a thief? Yeah, I'm a bank robber. Mm-hmm. I rob banks for a living. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I'm pretty good at it. Never been really? caught. Never been caught. Really? But, you might be now. but I want to get right with God, yeah. and so I'm going to be baptized, yeah. and then I'm, I'm just going to I won't keep on doing what I've been doing. That's it's pretty good money. Yeah. And I'm just gonna keep robbing banks. Yeah. Everybody would say, no, you've got to repent. You've got to stop doing what was sinful in your life. Yeah. But I became a bank robber before I became a Christian. Well, obviously it doesn't work, does it? So there's no they, grandfather clause is what you're saying. Right. And and to continue in a sinful act uh indicates you haven't repented. And therefore your baptism didn't wash away that sin. It's just that it's just that simple. Now, did you mention did you mention John the Baptist? Go ahead. This
1: principle got John the Baptist in trouble. Yeah, uh, because he he got on to Herod in Matthew, in Mark six verse eighteen. John s- had said to Herod, "It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife." It wasn't just the taking of his brother's wife. He didn't say it wasn't lawful for you when you got married uh, married on your wedding day to your brother's wife. It was unlawful for him to have his brother's to, wife to continue to continue. be married. It wasn't just a one time act. It was the relationship that was condemned.
2: I think I think you're exactly right, and I believe we see that also in Romans chapter seven. Uh, where it says, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if, she, if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Uh, so in other words, she's going to continue to be called an adulteress as long as she's married to another man while her rightful husband is still alive. So it doesn't, it doesn't change it. Uh, right. Bill, Bill in Texas said, this. I think Bill's in the chat room too. And I don't know if we're gonna be able to catch all these comments in the chat room. Uh, he's, he says an email, the sin of adultery is washed away at baptism as is all repented of sins. I would agree with that. If I, if I've been guilty of adultery and I repent of it, right. Then I can be forgiven of it in baptism right. just as any sin. But the mar- he goes on to say, the marriage is not sanctified when persons continue to live in sin. Yeah. In other words, if, if I've repented of past adultery, I can be forgiven of that. I can be re- forgiven of murder. I can be forgiven of drunkenness. I can be forgiven of drug abuse. I can be forgiven of robbing banks. Right. But if I continue in any of those things, then I haven't repented, right. and I'm not in a saved state. That's right. Okay. There's been some discussion in the
1: chat room, and you don't have your your, your pictures, do you? Of your No, I don't. You need those. Any way we can get those during the break? Or is it too much trouble?
2: I don't know how we'd show them.
1: Will you show them on the on the computer? The way you show all your other uh, slides. Don't you don't think, have it on the slides?
2: Think, uh, yeah, but I don't think we have time to get Okay, organized. Well,
1: the the discussion is, okay, if fornication then allows someone to get a divorce, how could it be wrong for the other person then to get remarried because the divorce the marriage is dissolved then at that point? How is it it wrong for the guilty party
2: then to get remarried? We'll, we'll try to answer that when we get, all right, back, we'll get back
1: And uh, there's a lot of chatter we're going to miss in the chat room tonight. The best way for you to get your thoughts heard is to give us a call, 877-381-4567. Or you can gain our attention by sending an email. We will have, we, it's harder for us to miss those. Send an email to questions at collegeu.com. We're going to take a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll be back right after this.
0: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
2: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Every Christian has a responsibility towards an unfaithful brother or sister in Christ. If you are aware of sinful conduct on their part, you are absolutely obligated to take action. It is not the sole responsibility of the elders, deacons, or preacher. It is not the exclusive duty of a handful of the stronger members of the church. You have a real and specific burden in this important matter. Note, Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Therefore, if you fail to take corrective action toward a sinning brother, first, you are guilty of sin yourself, for you are directly choosing to not do what God commands that you must do. Second, you are demonstrating a lack of love for the one who is in sin. Do you not care that he or she is on a course that will lead to their soul's eternal damnation? Third, you are allowing a situation to continue which will bring shame and reproach upon the Lord's church. You thus become responsible, at least in part, for the loss of respect and reputation which the church suffers. Fourth, you are showing that you don't have a serious concern for the lost souls in your community. Your failure to act will likely cause them to focus on the hypocritical conduct of that sinning brother and thus turn away from the truth and their own salvation. Fifth, you are contributing to the discouragement of other Christians who will ultimately become aware of these sins. Your inaction will simply add to the grief caused by the initial sins of the brother you should have been correcting. With all of these negative consequences, don't you see that you really must do the right thing when you become aware of a sinful situation in the life of a brother or sister in Christ? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be
0: using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night Can you think of a better use of your time.
1: A streaming Bible study.
0: Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys.
1: And we're back on the program tonight. We've done some finagling during the break. We're going to get the play-by-play cam going here so that we can talk about this marriage relationship. Uh, we're going low-tech because we didn't think about this. I guess you did think about it. We didn't think about it. Yeah, I just
2: this. didn't think there was a way to manage the PowerPoint charts. We've got a whole bunch of PowerPoint charts that we've used in the past on this. But uh, in regards to marriage, I think it's important for us to see it the way that it is. How are we doing there, Dan? Is that, all right, is that about where it needs to yeah, be? All right. Where's the, where
1: the linebacker? Is he on there?
2: Yeah, this guy's going to go okay. round <laughs> end All right. uh, in round. In a proper marriage relationship, the man and the woman make a decision to be married. They make that decision. And they can also decide to end that marriage if, if they so choose. That's okay. within their power. Okay. But in a in a, the proper view of marriage, we need to understand that God also binds these individuals concerning that relationship. The law of God Binds them up. They are bound. Romans chapter 7 again. Romans chapter 7 uses that very terminology mm-hmm. that a woman is bound so long as her husband liveth. But if she be married to another man while her husband liveth. In other words, she could be married to somebody else. And so what that's saying is, have you got Matthew 7, or me? excuse me, Romans 7 there, Jake? I do, Romans Re-read 7. Read it again.
1: Romans 7, begin verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress,
2: though she be married to another man. And so if you you were to try to chart out that example just given in Romans chapter 7, if the woman, if, if a divorce happened, and the woman then marries another man now her husband is still alive this original husband is still alive mm-hmm. but she leaves him divorces him puts him away and marries another man the text says that that relationship is adultery the reason why it is she's she's married to him but she's bound concerning this other man she's the law of god has her bound concerning the original relationship that she was in And therefore that is adultery. And it has to do, the problem is married to one, this woman is married to this man, but she's bound by God concerning that man. Right. Bound to one, married to a different one, that's the biblical definition of adultery. Okay. I think that's the way we've got to see it. All right, so
1: that will help us understand. Uh, we had commented in the chat room, John Madden should not be afraid. So I don't think you You got think career. John
2: can do better than that? Well, I don't
1: know. He's got better technology, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but that does help us understand the, the way that God views the marriage relationship. And we look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments about that. Again, the chat room is crazy tonight. And hopefully if you're in the chat room, you're following along, we will miss most of those comments.
2: We will not miss your comments if you give us a call toll-free tonight
1: or send us an email.
2: And, and I guess we have covered question two the question had to do with those who teach that basically the sin of adultery is washed away in marriage you need to it's, go you it's need it's
1: not washed away that's right it is not because of, of, of the binding again yeah, uh, you, you need to go back to your camera though because in this situation that right there would be dissolved uh, at the point of adultery if the man put 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 the woman away the, now, the, the bind the, the, now the,
2: let's say this let's say that yeah, if if we went this way a little, little more explanation from our chart, and, and we need to probably do a little play-by-play for those who are not watching the video. Uh, if the if the man, let, let's say that that this woman had a relationship with this fellow, she was just involved sexually with this man over here. Her husband could divorce her. This man could divorce her. She could never remarry. It would be adultery if she did. In other words, she's guilty of fornication. Right. And her husband puts her away for that cause. She can never remarry. If she does, it's adultery. The reason is because she's still bound. She's never been loosed by God here in this relationship. But in this case, God would loose this man because he meets the exception of Matthew nineteen right. nine, right. And so he could find him another wife and... God would recognize that as a rightful marriage. Okay,
1: I don't know. I think I think John Madden does have some things to worry about because that looks good. I'm watching it on the screen. And
2: boy, it is good. You, okay, you have got it all laid out for us. That's all right, good. All right, good. good. All okay. right, let's go to question three quickly. Again, apologies to you and the. uh in the chat room, it looks like you're carrying on a good study there. Uh, <laughs> sorry on your we're own. missing it. We're missing a lot of it. We're trying to cover these questions. Uh, and uh, so as sometimes happens when we get a really hot topic going, we can't keep up with what's happening in the chat room. But uh, we hope that you all are, are uh, making good progress in understanding the will of God there in the chat room. Question three we ask, How would you answer those who say that divorces and remarriages that happen before a person becomes a Christian are of no consequence because non Christians are not subject to the law of Christ in this matter. All right, put this is that in a your own, different put, wrinkle. Put that in your own words, there, Jacob. This
1: is a different wrinkle. The previous wrinkle was okay. Yeah, you should not have done. You should not have gotten divorced and remarried. You shouldn't even have married the person you're married to now before you become a Christian. But when you become a Christian, it washes that sin away, and you're okay. This is a different wrinkle. That is. It, it wasn't a sin at all for you to be married, divorced, married, divorced a hundred times. And it wasn't even a sin for you to marry the person you're married to now before you become a Christian because you weren't uh, sub, uh, subject to God's law at that time.
2: And so basically all you got to do is stay married to the one you're married to when you do become like a Christian. Like musical chairs. So the idea is, is you could be divorced and remarried even multiple times before you became a Christian. And it doesn't uh, matter because... The law of Christ, as we've been referencing it in Matthew nineteen nine, 9, uh, Matthew five thirty two, 32, uh, Mark 10, Luke 16, doesn't apply to people who are not Christians. That's only for people who are in a covenant relationship with, with the Lord. And so until you come into that covenant, those rules don't apply to you. How would you answer that? Here's Jim's thoughts. He says, uh, what other sins are we going to
1: declare are not of the law of Christ? Jesus said, take the gospel to the, into the whole world. That means to take it to the people who have never heard it. The dictates of the gospel require that people repent of their sins. If divorce and remarriages that happen before a person becomes a Christian are of no consequence, then neither are any other sins mentioned in the New Testament, and then it would stand to reason that very few people would have anything to repent of. Besides, all are subject to the law of Christ. He is the King of kings and lords of lords over all the earth. Whether people recognize him as such or not, Or, for on the day of judgment, he will still judge
2: all. Good okay. comments. I think you're right, Jim. Um, Don says... Just as ignorance of man's law is no excuse when it comes to speeding, paying taxes, or even complying with OSHA standards, ignorance of God's law does not give us permission to continue with the sin after we find out that it is a sin. All right. I would agree with that. Paul says uh,
1: in the chat room, uh, well, it slid off. It's going so fast. Uh, basically, why would you need to be saved if, uh, oh, no, that's Danny. If you're not a sinner, why do you need to be saved? It would be impossible for you to be a sinner if God's laws were not applicable to you prior to becoming a Christian. Yeah, I tell you, I,
2: I think those statements are right. Let's see what Bill in Texas says. He says, all
1: persons are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of his or her life. It does not matter whether you're a Christian or not. All are under the law of Christ. Too many scriptures to list for this. Why would I want to be a Christian and become
2: subject to his law if I am a free spirit and safe outside of it? Okay. I, I agree with that. And I think maybe the best text that I, I know of to prove this point, Jacob, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. By the way, those last couple of descriptions have to do with homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. First of all, if people before they become Christians are not subject to the law of Christ and can't even commit adultery, right? How could it be that in that list, Paul said some of you were adulterers, but now you're sanctified? Uh-huh. So obviously the law of God did pertain to them, or there's no way they could have been guilty of adultery prior to their sanctification. Uh, yeah. Now they've become sanctified. Does that mean that? They're okay to stay in those marriages. I don't know. If it does, then it means it's also okay to continue to be a thief, continue to be a drunk, continue to be a homosexual, because those are in the list too. Right. Nobody believes that. Right. So we also have to believe that the sanctification is when someone repents and stops the sin and obeys the gospel and is baptized for the remission of sins, then you're sanctified. But this text proves that people are subject to the law of Christ before they become Christians, they're subject to the marriage law of Christ before they become Christians. Else, how could they have ever been an adulterer before they became a Christian? All right. We look forward to hearing from you on the program as we talk about this important subject. We're close to a break. You want to take it now or you want to go ahead and get the next question? Yeah, we, we, let's take that last break and then we'll, we'll go to the We're top, going to top of the
1: hour. the hour. And the phone line is open. I, you know, we've got several people, I think, in the chat room even tonight that are disagreeing with us. Uh, we, we won't spend the whole time uh, taking those objections, but we would take your objections if you give us a call. We'd like to know... What you're thinking? Give us. Oh, a call, we'll have to free. do it
2: briefly. We'll do it briefly. We but, can't. Uh, we can't get into a protracted. We we said when we started we weren't going to be able to cover every conceivable. We're not going to cover the five. We have here. Yeah, we're going to have trouble covering the five we've got. But that, uh, uh, yeah, we do. It.
1: But we will we welcome your your call. We'll be polite. We'll be cordial, and uh we would hope you do the same. But let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you disagree with us, especially, give us a call toll free. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this.
0: Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
3: I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist, but that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the rip cord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877 381 4567. And thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. Here are some quotes
2: worth pondering No man is free who is not master of himself. It's easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow. He who conquers himself has won a greater victory than he who conquers a city. If you would live your life with ease, do what you ought, not what you please. Let him that would move the world first move himself. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you.
0: Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study.
1: Now, back to the program. We are back on the program tonight, and we are looking forward to hearing from you, especially if you disagree tonight. We'll dedicate a few minutes here at the end of the program to taking your objections on the phone. You need to do it on the phone tonight, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. as we talk about uh, marriage, divorce, and remarriage on the program. Well, we'll remind you, if you're listening to us in the podcast version, uh, go to our website to find out more about us, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you disagree with something you hear and you're not listening to us live, we always welcome your comments Then.
2: All right. Two more questions to go. Real quickly, question four was, how would you answer those who say that a divorce for fornication releases both spouses to remarry without sin? In other words, we've said that if that if fornication is not the cause of divorce, right. then you can't remarry. Mm-hmm. So, if, so let's say my wife is innocent, but I divorce her, and I remarry, I commit adultery. But let's say that she was guilty of fornication and I divorced her. I can remarry because I put my wife away for fornication. Right. Some people say, well, if the marriage is dissolved then both parties are free to remarry. They're not married anymore. They're free to remarry. We might look, Dan, we might look at our our chart one more time. Draw it again real quick. Okay, here we go. We got. That doesn't have an
1: undo button. You erased it. We got woman,
2: man, and God. Right. All right. Should have known that. So they're married. They're also both bound. Can you see it, Dan? He's got it. He's got Uh, it.
1: You're nailed. Now,
2: if they they end the marriage. Uh Uh-huh. Let's say it was because the woman was guilty of fornication, and they, and so the man put her away. The marriage is gone. It's, it's been dissolved. Right. We said that this man can now marry another woman without sin. The reason being was because he was loosed from the bond of that previous marriage. He can remarry without sin, and God will recognize this as a covenant relationship. The reason why that woman can't marry is not because she's still married. She's not still married. Right. The reason why she can't remarry is because of this. She's still bound Mm -hmm. by God. And so uh, she's not loosed. She's she's not married, but she's not loosed. She's still bound. She's bound concerning the original covenant relationship she was in. Mm -hmm. That's why she can't remarry. This man can remarry because when he put her away for fornication, God loosed him and he so he can be bound in a new covenant relationship right. here. But if you still have a whiteboard marker by your name, you can't get remarried. Well, you gotta, if you're still
1: bound. You're still bound, right? right. Okay. All right. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number to call if you disagree. Again, you're going to have to hurry and get on the line we have a few more minutes to go
2: to the, to the question what about those who say that both in a divorce or fornication both spouses are free to remarry jim answers jesus said in matthew 19:9 9 and 10 that anyone who marries the put away one commits adultery that's something we haven't really said tonight jacob but I, it, it's a it's a strong statement a put away person cannot remarry a uh, a put away person cannot remarry another uh, i think is a strong statement and it so really if you were put away as the guilty fornicator, you can't remarry. Right. But if you were put away as an innocent person, you can't remarry either. Look carefully at what the Look Lord Look carefully does. at what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen nine, and a put-away person cannot remarry. Right. All right. Uh, so that uh, that takes care of number four. Or do we get to... Well, even... let's see. We've got a couple more answers. Jim says simply to refer to Matthew five thirty two and Matthew nineteen nine in regard to that question. Uh, same with Don. Uh, uh, and uh, Yeah, that was Don. And Bill, oh, Bill. says... This is the crux or core of the matter. Study and define what the word fornication means in the New Testament, especially in Matthew 19:9, 9, and study who Jesus is talking to here. He is talking to an audience of Jews who believe that pornea is being unfaithful during the engagement period. Fornication and adultery in this verse are not the same thing. Besides, in other scriptures in the New Testament, the two words are used in the same verse, meaning that they could not mean the same thing. Fornication in Matthew 9 means unfaithful during the engagement, or some say that finding out that your bride is not a virgin on the marriage night, then the bride can be put away. Some insight on this can be learned from the story of Joseph and Mary. He sought to have Mary put away because she was with child. He was betrothed to Mary. Many, many scriptures uh, in the rest of the Bible, except for this on Matthew 19:9, 9, say that marriage is a lifelong commitment, never to be broken up for any reason except death I disagree with Bill now he's going back to his position that there's no divorce for any cause uh, that cannot be sustained his explanation in Matthew 19, 9 cannot be sustained from a study of the scripture we don't have time to go into more detail but to say that Jesus teaching there was only during the engagement period doesn't deal with it it doesn't deal with what Jesus taught in Matthew 199 Matthew 532 It doesn't deal with what we were teaching from Romans seven verses two and three. It's not the 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 teaching there is not limited to an engagement period, and uh, he doesn't refer to Joseph didn't refer to Mary as his wife. No, but it wasn't his wife. He he, it does say that he was minded to put her away privately. Right, right. There was something there was something more formal about an engagement uh,
1: or uh, betrothal back then.
2: Yes, that's right. But Jesus is is not talking about that. Jesus' answer in Matthew 19 was to the question of the Pharisees in verse 3. Right, it was a, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife right, right, exactly. for every cause, right. not his, his, his betrothed mate? Right. Uh, yes. And so I think Bill's explanation wrong, I, I, I now, there, respectfully there, disagree. There is
1: another, and I've, I've just seen it in passing in the chat room tonight, there is another argument that Jesus' instructions were to Jews, not to Christians, in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, your answer to that?
2: Well, then you are going to have to disallow everything that Jesus taught in the Gospels as being applicable to those uh, those of us who are Christians. And uh, do, 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 does Jesus does it? Jesus also taught uh, in in Matthew about baptism. We're going to throw that out. Sure. Jesus taught the so called Golden Rule in Matthew Matthew seven verse twelve. That doesn't apply to us, right? That was know, to the Jews. If you are going to say that Jesus' teaching on marriage doesn't apply to us, then you have to say that. Uh, nothing Jesus taught in the Gospels is applicable. Now, some people go to that conclusion, but I think it's a mistake. In Luke 16, mm-hmm. Luke 16, verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. So uh, up through John the Baptist was dealing with Old Testament things, but since then it says the kingdom of God is being preached. And and it's in that immediate context, Jesus goes directly in verse 18 to say whosoever put away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery jesus said this is kingdom stuff right here all right good 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 verse there to remember all
1: right we've got about five more minutes and again if you disagree uh, that, uh, the question is, what verse is that you referenced? You referenced Luke 16. Luke verse 16, sixteen, sixteen. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might want to remember that. Uh, again, five more minutes in the program. If you'd like to uh, get online, if you disagree with us on the phone. Again, we'll be cordial. We, we just want to understand your position more thoroughly. We're
2: rapidly running out of time. Question five. We had one last question. Jake, we will get to all these questions. How would you answer those who use 1 Corinthians seven fifteen to teach that in cases of desertion, a person can remarry without sin. I gotta read that for you real quick. First Corinthians seven fifteen. It says if the unbelieving depart, let him depart, a brother or sister mm-hmm. is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. Yeah. So I'm a Christian and I've got a, a mate who either is not a Christian or is a fallen away, has become an unbeliever through the, whatever reason. Whatever reason. And my wife just leaves. She deserts me. Can I divorce for that reason and remarry again without sin? Some, pe- pe- some people use, and it, there's been some popular teaching lines, a man named James Bales wrote a book called Not Under Bondage, and he based his conclusions on 1 Corinthians 7, 15. He says you could remarry without sin in that situation. All right. Uh, what do you think? Can you remarry if uh, your mate just walks out on you? Are
1: you, are you free and clear? Uh, Don says, uh, again, Matthew 19, verse 9 spells out, Very plainly, that fornication is the only scriptural reason for divorce. Also referred to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 11, which states that if a wife departs, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled back to her husband, and that the husband is not to put uh, put away his wife if she departs. This means he cannot remarry, but must wait until she comes back. If she doesn't return, then they both must must remain unmarried.
2: I think that's right. Uh, Jim answers, Paul, as guided by the Holy Spirit sent for God, would not teach that which contradicted the plain teaching of Jesus. Thus, those who wish to use 1 Corinthians 7.15 can only teach that one can be separated, but not that they have the right to remarry. Such teaching would clearly contradict what Jesus taught in Matthew 19 with respect to the divorce, only for the cause of one who committed adultery, with only the innocent parting having the right to remarry. I think that's right, but I, I would go a little bit further. Um, the... The word in 1 Corinthians 7:15, the Greek word for bondage, it's found 133 times in the New Testament. It's never used with reference to the marriage bond. So it's a common word found 133 times in the New Testament, but it's never used in, in regards to marriage and the bond of marriage. Uh, the bondage referred to in 1 Corinthians 17 has to do with the obligation that a Christian has to his or her mate. In other words, I'm married. I have obligations to my wife. My wife has obligations to me. We have mutual obligations one to another. But if if my wife deserts me,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. well, I I can't fulfill my duties as a husband. Mm -hmm. She's not there. I can't do what God expects me to do as a husband. What am I to do? And Paul was saying that a brother or sister is not under bondage. In other words, God's not going to hold you accountable to perform obligations, which you cannot now perform in those kind of cases, you are not under bondage to do what is impossible to do. It's a different word. It's not the word for bond or bound in regards to marriage. It's a different word. It means simply that you're not enslaved to do that which you can't do if your mate it's, isn't present to beyond, allow you to do it's it. It's beyond your control. Exactly. All right. Uh, Dan Bill in
1: Texas says, "I do not think about this. Pro- I don't. I do not think about this problem, and you should not spend valuable time talking about this tonight. Better spent uh, the time talking about." what Matthew 19 verse 9 is really talking about. Desertion is not a grounds for biblical divorce. By the time you get to this question, the answer would have already been mentioned a dozen times. And so uh, Bill, again, disagrees with us uh, on our view that uh, you can get a divorce for the cause of fornication. Again, Jesus, we believe, is very clear about it in Matthew chapter 19 verse 9. Yeah. Uh, looks
2: like We're out of time. We're
1: out of time. I want to propose that, you know, we have there a lot of scenarios and questions that we missed in the chat room tonight. Um, Perhaps we could do a follow-up program if our listeners would
2: send in questions. Yeah, we need them we ahead of time. Let's do that. If you've That's been right. in the chat room and you've got a question that you don't feel like didn't was it addressed. we know there were a lot of statements in the chat room that didn't get answered. We need to be able to formalize these and just instead of just going uh, willy nilly at, at all of that. So send us an email, but you got to you got to state it in a concise form. You know, we, we can't take three or four page emails and make and make them work into this program format. If you can state a question very precisely, you okay. can state such, the question such,
1: such that we could just copy and paste it into your update email.
2: Yeah, so it's not a book,
1: just a, a one one sentence question.
2: Yeah, and and what we can plan to do at some point in the near future is try to deal with some of those. Yeah, we didn't get to, we didn't even scratch the surface today. Yeah. Lots of interest, a good
1: discussion. We appreciate uh, the attitudes. Again, we weren't uh, we don't want to be ugly. Uh, and did you gonna, like
2: the the, well,
1: the, uh, the yeah. Maybe we can do better than that. Okay. Low budget. Low budget. Uh, maybe next time you could have some stuff on the screen electronically. Yeah. yeah. But then you can't flail about and point and erase and all that when it's on the screen.
2: Well, what we might could do is set a projector up here and project it on the okay. wall behind us. Okay, we, we could do that.
1: Yeah. All right, okay.
2: But, again, get your questions in, and we can, uh,
1: we can have a follow-up, part two, to this important discussion we've had tonight. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Dan, thank you for running the controls. A job well done. And we appreciate you for being on the other end of the program tonight. We hope that you'll make plans to be back here again this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock.